Good morning. It is Tuesday, September the 26th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Let's begin today with our prayer of consecration. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is entitled, Why We Must Come to Love to Tell the Story. And our text is Acts chapter 7, verses 11 to 22. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father, Jacob, and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our ancestors died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. The word of the Lord. Now consider this. Previously on Acts, one of the appointed caretakers of Jerusalem's widows, Stephen, had extracurricular activities of performing miracles and preaching the gospel, which drew the ire of the religious authorities. With trumped up charges, they brought Stephen before the Sanhedrin to stand trial. In response to the charges, rather than defending himself, Stephen made a counterintuitive move. He begins telling them their own story. 
Sometimes in reading the Bible, we can search so hard for the deeper meanings of things that we miss the obvious insights sitting on the surface. We find ourselves in one of those moments today. Remember who Stephen is speaking to? Yes, the Sanhedrin. Remember those guys? Yep, the smartest guys in the room. They know the story Stephen tells. They know it better than he does. They know it forward and backward, inside out and upside down. So why is Stephen doing this, telling them what they already know? Because this is what we do. We remind each other of who God is and who we are and what this is all about by regularly retelling each other our big story. In this age of infotainment, where the next episode and the new season always win, we easily dismiss stories we've already heard as reruns we don't need to see again. That may be okay when it comes to insert your favorite show here, but as it relates to the biblical story, we cannot possibly tell it, hear it, sing it, preach it, eat it, drink it, enact it. And did I say tell it enough? Though we retell the story of God a thousand times, which would be a good start, it is never a rerun. The biblical story told in the power of the Spirit is always charged with supernatural substance. Stuff happens when we tell this story. Before we even begin to think about how we might tell this story in a situation like Stephen's, let us ask ourselves these kinds of questions. How can we tell this story around the table at home? How can we tell this story to our children, our grandchildren? How can our children tell this story to us? How can we share this story with the people down the street at the assisted living facility? How can we creatively tell this story in corporate worship? How can we share this story with atheists? How can we tell this story in our church staff meetings? How can we rehearse this story in our small groups? As my dear friend and biblical Jedi master Sandra Richter of Epic of Eden fame, regularly says to her students, tell the story and tell it well. The prayer of transformation. Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sinfulness. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sicknesses. I receive your love and release my selfishness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength so that my consecration becomes your demonstration, that our lives become your sanctuary, 
for the glory of God our Father. Amen. And the question, how are you telling the story and the stories of God in your everyday life? If I asked you to tell me the big story in two minutes or less, could you do it? Give it a shot. Maybe try it in your journal today. And for our hymn today, calling in audible, of course, this one is as predictable as the sunrise for a day like today where Our entry is entitled, Why We Must Come to Love to Tell the Story. Can you guess it? Yep. It's number 160 in our seedbed hymnal, Our Great Redeemer's Praise. Number 160, I Love to Tell the Story. That's number 160. We're going to sing all four verses with gusto. I'm sorry, I've got a little bit of a cold today. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me. And that is just the reason. I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story, will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Fourth verse. 
I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory. To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. Well, guys, we had an amazing week at Nuremberg Conference last week. I really want to thank you for praying. So many of you were praying. And holding us up in that room, that new room together, that new room of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And many of you were there, of course. It was it was oversold, probably. We sold out at least, and it was full, full, full. And um it was our tenth conference, and all I can tell you is that Jesus met with us. That was our singular prayer. He met with us. And there's so many things happened. I mean, so, we don't have a plan. I mean, we have a plan. I don't know how to say it. We're coming. It's like I said this at one point in the meeting. I said, you know, we we don't have a map because we've never been this way before. And when you're going into new country, there is no map. You make the map as you go. It was that kind of meeting. And the Lord led us to places that we didn't know we would go. Uh, there were so many points at which the altars and all the floor space were filled with people on their knees, crying out to God, receiving untold instruction, assignments, blessing, healing, anointing, deliverance. It was just unfolding um, minute by minute. But I want you to hold the date as an act of faith. I just want you to put on your calendar September 18 to 20, 2024. I want you to hold the date as an act of faith. You're not buying a ticket. You're not committing to come. You're holding the date, September 18 to 20, 2024. This is becoming, it has become, but it's becoming a very significant meeting in the kingdom of God. I'm convinced of this. There were people from all over the world there, all over the country were there. We heard phenomenal prophetic declarations from people throughout the conference. It's not a conference of famous speakers. It's a conference of anointed leaders. That's how I would put it. 
Some are known, some aren't known. That's not the measure of it for us. And you know, our our important number isn't how many people come, it's how many people band, how many people are in bands, and how many people begin to get in bands. Banded discipleship. That's what matters to us so much. I mean, how many how many Holy Spirit stories will come out of it? That's that's the metric that matters to us as well. Yeah, that's just the beginning of a witness to what happened there. There was a lot of consecration. There was a lot of transformation. There was a lot, a ton of demonstration. And I'll tell you some specific stories as we go along. Let's put a pin in it there today. We're back out here in the fields of awakening, and we're sowing. And um, if I got to see you there at the conference, I was so thrilled at that. And uh, again, thank you for coming. Thank you for praying. And it's time to get back out in the fields of, of every day now. And so for a great awakening. I'll be looking for you out there on the field. And for the awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.